Welcome to the IT Career Energizer podcast. For anyone who wants to build and grow a career in IT, develop and improve your strengths and skills, be inspired and motivated by the successes of others, manage your career progression, and achieve your IT career goals. And now, your host, Phil Burgess. Welcome to episode 335 of the IT Career Energizer podcast. My guest on today's show is a customer-focused technology leader. He is the CEO and founder of Unstruck Data and has more than 25 years of experience developing media management pipelines, leading DevOps at venture-backed companies and structuring successful exits. So it's my pleasure to welcome to the podcast, Kirk Marple. Thanks. Glad to be here. Excited to talk today. Uh, Kirk, I'd like to start by asking you a little bit about Unstruck Data and how that came about and what the company does. Yeah, so it's basically uh, what we have been building is an unstructured data platform. And what that means is um, really any type of file-based data that's video, audio, images, or even 3D content um, providing a way to enrich that data via machine learning and get it in the hands of um, both data scientists, data analysts, and even just line of business users. So really making that data actionable in a business environment. Right. Okay. So from the maybe less technically minded person, can you maybe give a bit of an insight into what that means in terms of how you would take a video and sort of yeah, for sure. add that data to it? I mean, a little, um, some context there. I mean, so I had been in the media entertainment industry building broadcast software. So basically taking video and putting it onto, I mean, Netflix or YouTube. And so in that world, it was kind of people's eyeballs were consuming that that data. But what we're working on is more of taking, um, say, video or images or things and really extracting and, and putting computers on it rather than eyeballs. And so really the, the goal is, say you're looking at um, an image of a manufacturing plant and you have a maintenance engineer that goes around and typically they do this where they take images on their mobile phone. Um, now, with their eyeballs, they can sort of triage that data, figure out, oh, there's cracks or there's water pooling. Um, but now with machine learning, computer vision, we can automate a lot of that. So essentially, we're taking the data that's being captured on drones, on robots, or even just mobile phones, and then running algorithms on it to extract more information um, and really just make it searchable. I mean, that's that's the starting point, but then also make it something that you can trigger and send alerts and say, hey, I mean, I'm seeing water pooling in all these pictures that's come up in the last week. We should get somebody to go out there and look at it. Um, so we're really just taking that data and, and um, really, I mean, not even it's not even for like to look at, it's necessarily more just a process. Right. Okay. Understood. So can you maybe give a couple more examples of industries that maybe can make use of this? Um, it's really, I mean, the first starting point is anybody that's doing um, sort of visual inspection, which could be oil and gas, manufacturing, um, land management, construction. Um, all of these are, um, are capturing this data today, um, say by a drone is, um, is flying over, or we've talked to aerial survey companies that are actually flying over and they're doing um, wildfire and wildlife management um, 
research. And so the problem they have is they're capturing tons and tons of data, but to go back and say just, hey, I mean, can you find me all the dams we've flown over in the last three years? And maybe they want to go and um, inspect that area um, in more detail. So the way, I mean, to take all the data that might be getting used in their business already, but make it more useful. And and honestly, just, I mean, search and retrieval is, is where people mostly start. Right. Okay, good. And in terms of how long Unstruck has been operating, can you give me a bit of an insight into the history of the company? Yes, we're um, almost exactly a year now. So I raised a seed round um, about a year ago last March, and we've been up and running. I um, have a team of uh, nine full-time folks, uh, mostly folks I've worked with before. And it was really, I mean, I'd had the idea for this about five years ago, was CTO or VP of a few different companies, and that just kept itching at me that there's really a, a need, I mean, for a product in this space. And so we uh, we finally kicked it off a year ago. Great. Okay. Right. Good. Thank you. Um, so we're going to get into the, the main content, if you like, of the interview now. So, Kirk, can you maybe give us a career tip, one that the audience may not be aware of and perhaps should be? Yeah. I mean, I think in, I mean, I'm a career software developer myself, and so really coming up with I mean, no one's really going to look out for your career as much as you are. And I think that's where the most growth I've ever gotten is by taking chances and kind of pushing past limits that, I mean, whenever I've moved into like a lead role or moved into a management role, um, nobody ever really hands that to you on a plate. And so I think the tip I would always have is, I mean, really be in charge of your own career and, and try and stretch the boundaries a lot. Yeah, absolutely. I, I I completely agree with that. So can you maybe give us an example of, of what you might have done to enable you to progress your career? Yeah, I mean, I think I was at, I was at Microsoft for a number of years. Um, I think even the ability to, when you see a gap, um, that's the common thing is you see a gap where maybe a, a piece of a product's not getting built or there's something that people are talking about and you kind of raise your hand up and say, look, I mean, I'd love to dive into that. Um, but also kind of showing by doing um, has always been the biggest thing of, I mean, getting in there, becoming useful, showing value. And, and typically people are going to be like, oh, wow, you're, you're doing this better than anybody else could. So just keep doing it and, and grow. So whenever I've taken hold of a team or kind of grown in a role, it's, it's usually been from something like that. Yeah, that no, makes sense. Absolutely. Right. Kirk, can you share with us your worst career moments and what you learned from that experience? I think, I mean, it's... Uh, from an IT um, perspective, I mean, I think as an individual contributor, I mean, there's always um, bugs and, and things you might inject into the system, but I think it's mostly been at the management level. I think, I mean, growing into a management role as a um, coming from a technical background, I think, I mean, having to deal with, I mean, folks kind of growing in their role, maybe failing in their role. I think the, uh, the times that I remember are, I mean, really when you think that you've sort of delegated to a team, um, getting so far down the road that, I mean, when people just aren't working out and, and having to make those hard decisions. I mean, I think the, the it maybe it's not worse, but it's the most painful decision of, I mean, being six months, nine months into a project and trying to push on people to kind of do better. Um, and then, I mean, honestly, having them quit um, because they've kind of hit their limit of what they're capable of. And they, I mean, they're not able to really speak up and go, hey, I need help. But they decide, no, they're just going to opt out of this and, and say, nope, leave you the project. And so having to take over a project where somebody just sort of quits on you um, is uh, is probably the worst times I've had. Yeah, that, that, that can be tough, definitely. <laughs> so in terms of what you might have learned from those experiences, is there anything you can share? 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's, I mean, definitely from a management perspective of, I mean, not micromanaging. I mean, I think it's always difficult when you're a technical uh, manager and, I mean, trying to give people um, their own control. And and that's what I've really, I mean, definitely over the last, I don't know, I mean, 10 or 15 years of making sure that you have good people around you, but you also give them enough responsibility. Um, let them focus on the things they're good at, try and give architectural advice without kind of stepping on their toes. And, and it's a, I mean, there's always growth uh, potential there, but I think that's, uh, I mean, that's the thing I really focus on is, is making sure I can guide, but not um, really too close to, I mean, don't hold the reins too tight. Yes. Yeah, that's a tricky one, isn't it, actually, for a lot of people who come from a technical background as well, and they they know the way they would do things. It's, it's sometimes very difficult to give that empowerment to somebody else. Yeah, I mean, biting your tongue is the is the hardest problem, but also once you can have that trust, I think it, it really trust is the biggest thing. And when you lose trust in members of the team, um, it's really one of the hardest things to get back. And, and it's rare that someone can kind of rebuild that, but you got to give them the ability to, um, to, I mean, sort of redeem themselves or, I mean, just say, oh, look, I mean, they see it a different way. And I think appreciating different perspectives is another part of, um, of growth in this career. Yes. Very good. Okay. So, can you share with us your career highlights so far? Yeah, I mean, one that came to mind is um, when I had my last company, we, um, as I said, a broadcast software company, and we sold to um, public broadcasting, PBS um, in the States, that um, ev- every PBS station in the country, I think it was about 150 at the time, had my software running in it. And so there was basically a server um, that had our transcoding software um, that would take basically video files from the the PBS sort of main head and then translate them, transcode them into the format needed for playout. Um, And I think that was, I mean, some of the widest breadth that I had that I just thought it was really cool that, I mean, you could actually have something that was sitting out there, I mean, playing cartoons to kids and, and kind of being out there at every single PBS station in the country. So, I mean, that was, that was one of the highlights. I mean, the product won awards and things like that, but that stuff's not even as important as just kind of seeing it out there in the wild. Yeah, absolutely. It's always good to be able to see what you've, what you've contributed to, isn't it? And the outcome. Yeah. I mean, even someone even purchased the IP to that software and I think it's still in use today. And that software I wrote, I mean, almost 20 years ago, probably 15 years ago now. So it's, it's kind of, I mean, that's another part of it. I mean, seeing seeing stuff you've written not die is, is another great thing. Yes, absolutely. Right. Kirk, can you tell us what excites you about the future of the tech industry and careers in IT? I think the biggest thing is it's, it's really never ending. I mean, as some people worry about AI and things kind of taking jobs, I think it's really more that the jobs are going to transform. Um, so I, I see the the augmentation of computer, um, basically of IT and um, all kinds of technical abilities onto daily life um, really is, I mean, is something we're going to live with for, I mean, the rest of our lives and probably our kids' lives. And so I think that's why it's, there's always something new. There's always another problem to solve. There's always something new to learn. Um, even, I mean, myself, I'd always been more of a backend developer, but now starting to understand machine learning more and understanding other, other new technologies. I think, if you want to, there's uh, there's always something to, I mean, if you feel like you're getting bored or getting in a rut, um, there's always something to move to. Yeah, that's true. And are there any sort of emerging technologies that particularly interest you? Yeah, I mean, we've, um, I mean, we're all of a cloud native stack today. And so really uh, serverless is, is something we've been taking advantage of and event-driven architectures. 
um, just ways that we can sort of plug systems together in a way that's, I mean, very clean and elegant. Um, that's something I, I mean, I think is just a, a real boon from, I mean, from the last several years that it just makes, makes, I mean, development at scale so much easier. And, and just all the DevOps things that have happened recently with, I mean, infrastructure as code as well. Yep. Very true. Okay. We're going to go into the reveal round now. We're going to find out a little bit more about you and the way you think. Are you ready for this? For sure. So what first attracted you to a career in IT? Well, it's a funny story. So when I was, I mean, a kid, probably 12, 13, I wanted to be a chef. And I had my life planned out ahead of me. I was going to go to the Culinary Institute in New York. And I thought <laughs> I thought everything was chosen um, in my head. And at some point, I just started to really, I mean, computers were starting to become bigger. I mean, this is back in the, I guess, early 80s. Um, I'm that old. And so it was uh, really, I started coding, um, working on Apple II in my dad's office. And I just started to get more and more into it. And I realized, I mean, I'm actually not bad at this and I could cook as a hobby. So I kind of flip-flopped my career objectives and ended up going to school for CS. And um, yeah, it, it all uh, it kind of all started with, I mean, video games and, and Apple IIEs. Do you still do the cooking? Is that something you still enjoy? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I cook, um, I mean, most nights and I love it. So it's a great hobby. I mean, I'm, I think it's, it's something that it's easy to do. Um, it's kind of a, I mean, there's a mental challenge to it too, of like timing everything and, and being logical about it. But, uh, I mean, after a long day of, of coding and meetings and stuff like that, it's nice to, <laughs> it's nice to do something a little bit different. Yeah, absolutely. Right. What is the best career advice you've ever received? Yeah. I mean, I think it's really, I mean, in terms of sort of management advice, especially, um, I think, I mean, thinking about things from, I mean, sort of empathy, I guess is the way to sum it up. Um, really, I mean, thinking about things from other people's perspectives, um, even at a technical level. I mean, we we have battles internally of, I mean, product and kind of deciding how we're going to do things. And I think knowing that everybody's coming from a different context and a different persona and being able to bubble up a little bit and really, I mean, think before you speak. Um, I think that's what, I mean, is something I kind of remind myself every day. And I think it's, I, I mean, some good managers that, I mean, really try to push that, that onto me of, uh, I mean, having that empathy for the rest of your team and the different departments and the customer, especially. Yeah, that's very good. And what is the worst career advice you've ever received? Um, it's funny that, I mean, back probably this reminds me of from college, but um, being computer science and having, professors just not take me seriously. Uh, they, I mean, they, people, when, when people don't, um, they sort of doubt you just based on, I don't know, I mean, your persona or, I mean, they didn't fit your mold. Um, I think basically being led into something that you're comfortable with and confident in, but you have other people who just aren't maybe from their, um, biases or whatever, um, they don't think you can do it. And so I, the only times I've really had bad career advice are when people didn't believe in me. And yep. it was something where I had to kind of believe in myself and kind of blow past it and say, no, look, I mean, I don't know why you're thinking this, but I know I can do this and I can, I can, uh, I mean, basically show you wrong. So that, that's the only thing that comes up to mind there. If you were to begin your career again in today's world, what would you do? It's a good question. I mean, I think I have gotten very wedded to the Microsoft stack, um, for better or for worse. I mean, um, we do um, kind of, I've been a C-sharp.net developer for 20 years. Um, I 
the, at this point, I probably would be restarting with a more of a, I mean, Python stack and Linux and JavaScript, and it's it's just not my sweet spot. But I think I would, I think there's a lot that would be really interesting in machine learning and sort of getting out of my biases of, of tech stacks. Um, so I'd love to, I mean, kind of restart. Um, the other is really, I, I always wanted to be a video game developer. I just never had the chance to jump into it. And if I, I mean, can ever retire, I would love to go like learn Unity and Unreal Engine and all that kind of stuff. But it's, uh, I think those are the two areas that I, I, I feel like I missed out on a little bit. Right. Okay. And what career objectives are you currently focusing on? Yeah. I mean, right now I have an interesting, I mean, sort of, I'm, I'm kind of split into two roles. So I'm, I'm CEO, but I'm also um, basically our main backend developer right now. So I think there's half of my day or most of my day is kind of in product and um, architecture and, and meetings and things like that and sales. Um, and then there's kind of the technical side where I'm having to, and mostly at night, I mean, do all of our serverless coding and write against, we're using Azure very heavily. Um, so I think it's it's a mix. I mean, trying to stay technically savvy. I mean, working with things like Terraform and um, kind of keeping up with all the DevOps um, integrations and things like that, but also really teaching myself more about computer vision um, is something that I'm having to kind of uh, patch in a little bit. Um, thankfully, I had a good kind of early media and kind of image processing background. Um, so that that helps a bit. But I think now just understanding how to apply patterns that I understand to these new technologies um, is really what I'm trying to focus on. And what's the number one non-technical skill that has helped you in your career so far? I think in writing ability and communication ability, I was a um, double major in journalism in college. And I think, I mean, not the best writer in the world, but I think having that communication skill, be able to craft a good email. Um, I mean, that's, that's something I think is definitely key. Um, in, I tend to be a little more verbose, but also I can give more context and kind of get, hopefully get an answer in one shot or give an answer in one shot. Uh, people, I, I think when people like to kind of, I don't know, it's the, the very quick, um, quick and dirty answers and, and you leave uh, something to the imagination. Um, it just ends up having a longer conversation and I try and really focus on, okay, if I'm going to answer this, I'm going to answer it in one shot. We don't need five go rounds and email or Slack. Um, so I think that communic those communication skills are, are really something that served me better. Yeah. Yeah. And what do you do to keep your own career energized? I think staying current. I mean, I'm, I mean, not young anymore. I'm in my, I mean, early fifties, but it's, I mean, I listen to podcasts all the time. I'm always looking at new technology. I'm reading up on, um, on kind of what the, the new state of the world is. So I think just not getting set in your ways. I mean, it doesn't, I'm definitely not going to be um, kind of investigating too many new areas, but I like to know, kind of be a generalist and know what the state of the art is in most things. Um, uh, so, I mean, my son's interested in VR and, and different AR and things like that and some video game technology. So, I mean, to, like talking tech with other kind of domains, I think is, is another way to, I mean, just, see patterns and, and learn from from other other things as well yeah it's about awareness isn't it as much as anything else so you know what else is happening that's what i really focus on i mean i can't be too much of a sort of whatever the other opposite of generalist is be too specific in these domains but i like yeah. to I mean, maybe at some point i will need to use it and so it's good to just be aware of it and what do you do in your spare time away from technology um i mean 
there's not a lot of spare time away from technology running a company, but um, my kids are older now. Um, so not as much of uh, kind of keeping the, I mean, no, no school runs or anything like that anymore, but the uh, uh, really just family time. I mean, work from home. So I mean, cooking and and my son actually works for our company now. Um, so it's, uh, it's, I don't know, it's uh, everything's kind of all mixed together, but it's, uh, it is good to get a break. I mean, yeah. watching some, some TV at night is, is probably the, the most break I get or going for a walk in the, um, we just moved back to Seattle. So just getting outside, um, getting, getting some exercise, trying to do that more than I should. Good. Okay. And Kirk, can you share with us a parting piece of career advice? I think the biggest thing is don't doubt yourself. And you're, I mean, everybody gets negative feedback. Everybody, I mean, there's always going to be people that try and limit you or think one thing or another, but um, really be bold. And and it's better to, I mean, kind of ask forgiveness than ask permission in a lot of ways. Um, I think that's been something I've kind of really followed of, I mean, sure, you may have to say, I mean, say you're sorry afterwards, but I mean, 90% of the time, it's going to be worth it. And and just to be uh, be really bold with your career and, and just go, I mean, grab things you you think are valuable. Yeah, that's good advice. And Kirk, how can we find out more about you and connect with you? For sure. Um, LinkedIn's great, um, just under my name there. Um, our company is unstruck.com, U-N-S-T-R-U-K.com. And we have a Twitter um, at Unstruck. Um, any of those are are, uh, are pretty, pretty easy to find me. Kirk, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. It's been great chatting with you. Same here. I really appreciate it. Hi, Phil here again. Well, I hope you enjoyed my conversation with today's guest. You can find full show notes on the website at itcareerenergizer.com e and the number of the episode you've been listening to. If you haven't already subscribed to the show, please make sure that you do so that you get episodes automatically downloaded to your device every Monday. Thanks for listening and have a great week. Thanks for listening to the IT Career Energizer podcast. To find out more about building a successful career in IT, visit itcareerenergizer.com.